Welcome to the FinOps Fridays podcast, where we discuss all things FinOps. It's an educational resource to help you learn and build your capability in all things FinOps. We're also here to have fun, so we'll make it entertaining, have a few laughs, and share a few stories. All right, and welcome back to the next part of the series where we are here talking about metrics uh, with Eric. Eric, in terms of uh, the business and unit metrics, we have been banging on business, business, business. Uh, you know, a unit metric is 50% pure business, business outcomes for that particular price, price point. Uh, it's going to be critical to make sure that you've spoken to the right people. Who have you found that is useful to have input into the metrics? Um, what teams, you know, product leadership, et cetera, who, who do we need at the table? At the table, what you're going to want to have at least a wide understanding of what the metric means. And I'll admit like at Boomi, it's not as wide as I'd like it to be, but at least from an engineering perspective, if folks understand what a unit cost is and understand how to influence the unit cost, typically you can get some action, especially if you start bringing in efficiency into the equation. Um, but you also want to have your product leaders aligned as well, because the product leaders are the ones that, you know, they own the product at the end of the day. And if the product is not profitable, then they probably would want to know about that. If you have a unit metric that can showcase, not even a unit metric, but just that, well, sure, you can make a revenue to, uh, you know, cost unit metric as well to make sure that it's moving in the right direction, of course. But they want to understand, you know, what the cost of their product is and, you know, how many customers are using it, what the customers are paying to, to use it, and so on and so forth. And then executive leadership. I, it's very important to have the executives aligned in what each unit means. Um, so, you know, for example, in the QBR, we have quarterly business re reviews with the executives. So in my slide deck, from an operational perspective, I always have the unit costs as well as the history of the, or sorry, the unit metrics as well as the history of the unit metrics uh, for them to consume and view. Awesome. Um, and who may not be there to formulate it, but actually cares and wants to see it? Is there anyone that's not at the table that has the input, but needs to be across it after the fact? I found that finance and accounting occasionally, it, they are more concerned with the dollars and the cents of it, but accounting wants to make sure that we're accounting for the right, the right pieces. Um, from like a all in total cost of ownership perspective, you know, if you have something that's in cost of goods sold from a, a finance slash accounting perspective, you want to make sure that the items that you're allocating the cost of goods sold are actually, you know, servicing your customers or cost of revenue. And sometimes they may take it a step further and also factor in people, you know, how many people do we have supporting this operation that are cost of goods sold? That'll, excuse me, give you the, the margins at the end of the day. So uh, finance and accounting definitely want to be informed and understand it as well. Now, you know, you know, when I, I keep saying end of the day, that's my, that's my filler term here. If you haven't noticed already, everybody, you found me out. <laughs> um, so where I was going to go with that is having the entire business aligned is important. You want to make sure we're moving in, in a, we're moving in the right direction and are able to track from a margins perspective as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next question I had was, you know, 
who tracks it actively. And I think this is interesting because you've got a FinOps team, uh, you've been in the space, you've got a, a high degree of capability. Um, mm-hmm. So in terms of tracking it, was there anyone that you were surprised? You know, you presented up to your management. Are they, do they really care about it? Is there someone that tracks it that you didn't think would typically track it uh, or that you're surprised by? Not necessarily. Well, I, I take that back. Um, I've had, I guess they're in like sales or partnership folks reach out to me before uh, wanting to take a look at the unit metrics. I'm more concerned from like a partner perspective. Are we you know, pricing our product right? And are the margins you know, where we need them to be? Um, that's definitely been a, that was a surprise to me. But other than that, like product leaders certainly will reach out and make sure that, you know, their product is tracking in the right direction. Um, I would also say that some don't, right? We're growing and that is a good thing. And they want to continue to grow, grow, grow. So they're not as concerned with the Unimetric. And, and that's okay too. You know, at some point, right, I would think that they would want to come and take a look back at the Unimetric and maybe understand the efficiency of it. But it's, it's fine. You know, all product leaders are different. And, you know, ones that are growing substantially may not care as much as ones that are not growing as fast. And I think, um, again, you know, what is your business priority? They're going to change over time. Maybe a different metric will come to focus. Uh, So let's not get too worried about metrics change or or don't get focused on too much. Um, We've spoken a bit about the fact that, you know, the IT, the builders, we can change half of it. We can change the cost by doing some changes. What about the drivers and the inputs? Um, who can impact the business side of that? People like marketing, business development, go on sales runs, push more business. Who can impact that business side of the metric? That's interesting. So you're saying, I believe what you're saying is, you know, if you're tracking what my you know cost per customer is, right? And it's impacting how many customers are coming on board. So that would likely be the sales and marketing team going after different markets to bring in different customers, new customers, and of course, sales directly bringing in additional customers as well. So it's not necessarily you know, like the numerator perspective, you know, that is going to be your cost from the denominator. It's going to be the number of, I'm just using this as an example, the customers. And we want to see those customers go up because that greatly will impact your you know, your bottom, not your bottom line, but your unit metric. And if you are from an engineering perspective, you're responsible for the cost of whatever platform you're running, you can greatly impact that number as well, just by making optimizations. But this is where the business case comes into, you know, into context. Are you better off spending, I was gonna say, are you better off spending your time focusing on bringing in new customers by building new features and functionality, or are you better off making optimizations to the environment to bring down the cost. And has there been a lot of interaction from those uh, sort of sales marketing people that you've had? Like, okay, all of a sudden we saw our, uh, not everything scales perfectly, you know, there, there could be certain resources or configurations where, you know, extra 10 customers give you revenue at no extra cost because there was a bit of unused space. Um, have, has there been a lot of active involvement with this sales and marketing into the unit cost, looking at what answering, why did it drop? Why did it peak? Have they been at the table historically? No, I, I have never been in a scenario where you know, we've questioned that, uh, at least the unit cost. Um, where I have been consulted, though, for sure, is on potential new deals where we use the cost data, the unit cost data, to come up with the right pricing structure for a new deal. 
and we've actually gone live with some of these deals as well. So it's it's interesting, but no, I, I typically do not meet with marketing and sales. It, it's rare, but we have had those conversations before. Um, and there was definitely certain configurations. You know, if you look at different volumes of usage of a system, if you go from this level of usage to this level, a completely different configuration, completely different set of services and architectures would be more efficient. Do you think there should be more involvement from those sort of pipeline drivers so that you can plan future? Well, if we're going to go to this level of usage, hey, we need to reconfigure this ahead of time so we can actually maintain that unit metric. Or do you just cop it and, and then retroactively do the fixes when you need to? So that's a great question. And I, I like that question because it really gets you thinking about capacity planning a little bit. Um, we have performance, scalability, and reliability teams that do do a fair amount about capacity planning and testing uh, to make sure that we're going to be able to, you know, host a number of customers within our particular platform. So occasionally we'll get to points where we say, you know what, we are at a spot where we should, you know, go higher in a certain instance type or go, you know, horizontally and increase a little bit uh, to make sure that we're going to be servicing those customers. But yeah, it's, it's something that we track. I encourage everybody to track as well because you don't want to be stuck with a, a unfortunately, like a system-wide outage perhaps uh, because you were not capacity planning and you've had a slow growth of customers. Yeah. Um, anyone, if you're watching this at home, YouTube, uh, you can also email us at feedback at finopsfridays.com. If you've got a good example of that where you've actually used uh, and had active engagement from sales or pipeline drivers that could potentially impact a unit metric and use that proactively, uh, let us know. I'd love to hear where that has been used. Um, how do people get started? Rome wasn't built in a day and you can't <laughs> go from zero to hero overnight. You've got to get the people together. You know, we spoke about the people, you've got to have discussions and you've got to start to build out the metrics. Um, there's an enormous amount of data, of course, and doing this at the cloud scale is always a challenge. A lot of people haven't done the metrics at the cloud scale and also the cloud accuracy. Um, right. A lot to learn and develop. Uh, how do you approach it? What would you recommend in, in terms of your approach to starting to build out these metrics? First, I would say if you don't have a tagging strategy, come up with a tagging strategy that works for your business. You can identify what resources are servicing uh, co cost of goods sold versus what resources are servicing R&D, because these are two completely different cost items, uh, at least from an accounting perspective. And then once you can identify you know, what what's going where from an R&D perspective versus a cost of goods sold perspective, and I'm thinking about how we operate here, which might be a lot different than a conglomerate, which might have, you know, service lines of like, you know, in the hundreds, right? Um, the tagging strategy for your organization is going to be curtailed to your organization. But once you have the identification in place, you can start to look at, say, hmm, how many customers do I have? Or you could say, well, I'm really good at uh, printing or stamping DVDs or something. You know, what, what does it cost to, to start printing these DVDs? And then you can, if you can allocate your infrastructure to be able to say, all right, this group services DVDs, uh, this group services another business line, right? You can start coming up with these unit metrics uh, that will start telling a little bit of a business. And I, you know, 
some of these cloud providers will tell you like to start with, you know, what's your unit cost of like a gigabyte stored or whatnot, right? That's fine. Like at the end of the day, that's going to give you something that you can start tracking from an efficiency perspective. You know, you can say, all right, well, here's my cost to store gigabytes. Here's how many gigabytes I have. Well, great. Now, there is a perfect unit metric that you can use for efficiency, but it depends on your business, but you got to start collecting the data first and uh, the data sources are, are important, but you know, if you don't have all the data, you can start small and start working your way up. And, and that's what I did. You know, I basically started with number of customers that we have, and I knew how much our production platform would cost. So I come up with an easy average cost per customer. Well, that has worked its way into very specific uh, unit metrics that we have here at Boomi. Yeah. And I like, uh, again, you know, we spoke, you spoke about tagging, which uh, for those at home is applying business information and overlaying business information onto your cost, you know, such as what is the cost center? Is it a production, non-production system? So you could really ask business questions around your costs. Again, business, business, business. Uh, also, for some of our younger viewers, Eric mentioned a DVD. Uh, that's these big round <laughs> black things that are made from vinyl that we used back in the day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that would, that's a record. DVD. Yeah, uh, they're all. Yeah, I think DVDs are still. Uh, no, they're not. Uh, it's just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, we're showing our wisdom here. I think. Uh, yeah. yeah. It, hey, at least I didn't go cassette tape. That would have been pretty bad but exactly, exactly. I mean, records still exist in some you know they're kind of like nostalgic i think but tapes nah, i don't they're not nostalgic right <laughs> nobody wants to rewind and fast forward <laughs> you flip it around <laughs> yeah i'm dating myself sorry yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but i do love your point there is to start somewhere and i think that's a mistake i see a lot of people in terms of metrics start broad like what is my Total cost, what is my total output? Bang, that's it. That's it. You've made that first step. You know, every journey starts with a single step. Um, don't try and boil the ocean and measure 20,000 different things. Start with that one and start to come back. Increase your granularity, increase your depth, and then start to look at some different things. Um, what are some of the other metrics? You know, starting at that unit metric at a quite a, a large level, what are some of the other things you typically recommend people stepping through? So as I was mentioning before, I said modernity, right? How modern are you? Um, how, I, I guess, how waste, waste, things like waste as wasteful well. you are. I mean, waste is, you know, it can be also quantified, like what percentage. Now, I don't want, how efficient are you at using your CPU? You know, can you track that CPU utilization for your platform, for all of your stacks? over time to see, am I sitting at 10%, 20%, 30%, you can make that into like a right sizing metric as well. If you'd like, if you think it makes sense to start matching your workloads to your demand, I mentioned elasticity before, how well do you grow with client demand and shrink with client demand? Also, you know, are you turning things off on nights and weekends? That's kind of, that is, that's a difficult one for me because if you have an ever changing environment in non-production, it's, it's very hard to quantify what is a good state and what is a bad state. But if you use tags to check, uh, to have a schedule, to shut things off at certain times, you can see what percentage of infrastructure is tagged versus untagged to have a good understanding. Um, tagging, right? How, how tagged are you from a, um, 
a business context, you know, are in, I say that, you know, are you ta- following your tagging strategy? You know, how well are you tagged following your strategy? Yeah. Per percentage of costs that are tagged, untagged. And I always right. like that. You know, is it really worth worrying about that last, you know, law of diminishing returns, getting everything tagged? Well, how much is actually worthwhile tagging at some point? You know, there's also things like sand pits. Well, is that yeah. really an IT cost or is that a training cost or it just makes your staff happy they can play with, with shiny toys? You know, it's a staff retention cost. Um, funny, you, you call it a sand pit, I call it a sandbox. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Australian hole. It's terminal. a deep hole that could, it's consuming resources. It's a hole. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's a test bed at the end of the day. Sure. Excellent. All right, so we're going to take a quick break and go to our mailbag segment. This is where we uh, answer questions from the previous episode of FinOps Fridays. If you have any questions, you can leave them in the comments below or email us at feedback at finopsfridays.com. Over to the mailbag. All right, and welcome to this week's mailbag session. This is where we answer questions and uh, feedback from our previous episode. The episode was with Tiago looking at the unique properties of the Brazilian FinOps challenge. Uh, a little bit more of a quiet mailbag. Obviously, this one was pretty specific to the Brazilian market, uh, but it was very interesting nonetheless. So the first question, how are you retaining good FinOps talent? Obviously, Brazil was a very, very challenging environment to get talent in. Uh, there was nothing really surprising in terms of the answer for this one. It was just how do you become the best employer? Obviously, you need to make sure in a rapidly changing market that you are keeping up with the competition, making sure that you are a good employer to work at. Uh, so all the usual boxes apply there, making sure they've got good, interesting work. Make sure that you really value your FinOps people as well. You know, just getting them to do medial tasks or getting feedback from them and doing nothing with it. You really have to treasure your employees uh, in a challenging market like this. Similar to what you had to do during the Great Resignation. Uh, the next question, what are the best practices for forecasting when you have fully managed services, high inflation, interest rates, etc.? cetera? Uh, we do actually have a episode coming up on forecasting, which should hopefully answer this in a little bit more detail. It really was around the rapid pace uh, and the agility in terms of your forecasting. Obviously, you're not going to be doing quarterly forecasting. It really is making sure that you have the relevant inputs to each and every service, each and every workload that you're using, knowing when to adjust and making sure that you can do those adjustment cycles very, very quickly. Update your models, making sure that they are as accurate as they can be. But the key was really around the speed, the uh, adaptation of those particular models. So that is it for today's mailbag. Uh, if you have any feedback or any questions you'd like answered from previous episodes or you'd like to suggest a topic for us to go a little bit deeper on, you can reach out to us at finopsfridays at aptio.com. Back to the show. All right, and we're back from the mailbag. Uh, we're going to end this part of the show. We're going to do a three-part show because it's quite a good in-depth discussion. So thanks for sticking around. So that is it for another episode of FinOps Fridays. If you have any questions or feedback on this episode or would like to learn more, please feel free to reach out to us at finopsfridays at aptio.com. Also like and subscribe to get updates for future episodes. 